Hey everybody, this is Paul from Make Teaching Sustainable, and I want to welcome you to the Make Teaching Sustainable podcast. Today, we have two guests from the Modern Classrooms Project. Matt Hickson is the Director of Partner Transformation for the Modern Classrooms Project. He is a community organizer turned school leader, and he believes in leveraging the power of education to build more joyful, purposeful, and just communities. In more than a decade of work in North Carolina, he has organized movements for education justice while serving his community both inside and outside of school buildings. Matt was the Durham Public Schools beginning teacher of the year before becoming a principal and central services director. Emily Dia is the partnerships manager at the Modern Classrooms Project. She worked as a classroom teacher and instructional coach for 20 years, and her grounding purpose is to create equitable access to transformative teaching for all learners. She's passionate about culturally responsive and relevant practice, assessment and grading reform, and dynamic curriculum design. She now spends her days supporting educators, schools, and districts in reimagining instruction with the Modern Classrooms Project model. And when she's not thinking about creating paths and systems for all learners to succeed, she dreams about reading a book on a beach and enjoying time with her family and dog Buffy, slayer of vampires. And with that, let's meet Emily and Matt. Emily and Matt, it's so good to see you guys again. Um, Everybody, we have Emily and Matt here from the Modern Classrooms Project, and they've so graciously agreed to come on and talk to us about um, sustainability. We're going to talk a lot about personalized learning today because that is a passion that Emily, Matt, and I share. Uh, But before we dig into that, um, I'm hoping each of you can just tell all of us a little bit about yourself. Who are you? What's your story? What's your role? And what keeps you coming back to education? And let's start with Emily. Hey, everybody. I'm Emily Dia. I am a 20-year educator. I worked in, mostly in North Carolina, Charlotte. I'm mostly in the middle grades, fifth, seventh, and eighth grade in uh, language arts. And I am currently a partnerships manager for the Modern Classrooms Project. I actually started using our instructional model as a teacher, and uh, it was so transformative for me. That's why I am working here now on our team. And what keeps me coming back to education is I do believe that education is the force, uh, that most powerful force to make some social change if we can just get it right. So um, I think reforming our field, empowering educators who are really um, essential voices in the quest for justice and equity for students is is primary. So I'm thankful to be able to to. Um, to be in the field and to hopefully help that come to fruition one day. Paul, thanks so much for having us. Uh, And Emily and I work together very closely, so you're going to hear a lot of things that are similar, I think, in our answers. Uh, I'll say I came to education first, not as a lover of teaching or someone who like spent time lining up their toys to teach to them as a child, but as someone who like really loved systems that do justice for young people and believe that our education systems have the power to do that in really powerful ways. Um, I was an activist, actually, before I started being a teacher and continued to be involved in a lot of justice movements as I was teaching and kept tinkering with ideas really around this central topic of learner agency, because I believe so profoundly that our schools often rob people of that agency uh, and that that is a critical change that we need to make in how we think about education. And so as a teacher, I was tinkering with, like, how do I make more blended and self-paced approaches in my classroom? How do I use tools that allow students to collaborate and create with each other? 
Uh, that's challenging, as you know, and we'll talk about sustainability here. Uh, I became an assistant principal and a principal and eventually a district director for online learning and continued to do those same things and, and have few answers and lots of questions that I hope we can explore in this conversation. Uh, and then I ended up at the Modern Classrooms Project because I believe it's the organization that I've run across that like most closely aligns with this belief of trying to give learners more agency through self-paced, blended, and mastery-based approaches. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, agency and equity, I feel like go hand in hand, right? Because um, if we want to make sure all kids have what they need in the classroom, we have to partner with them because their voice has to be, we can't be deciding for them what they need, right? In part, as adults, we can offer feedback and ideas on that, but we want kids to have voice in that too. Um, And I hope we can talk a little bit about agency in the context of sustainability as well, because um, in my mind, giving kids agency or, you know, allowing them to embrace the agency they already have in the classroom is a, provides a pathway to sustainability because it takes some of the load off of teachers, the cognitive load, just the energy demands of teaching go down when we share them or distribute them throughout the classroom. Um, and I have to say in response to what you said, Matt, um, I was the child who lined up stuffed animals and my three siblings and tried to teach them on Saturdays. And as you can imagine, it didn't go very well. I was not the, I was not the popular sibling that was trying to, to be teacher, play teacher on the weekends. Yes. I I think those people often make the better teachers, nothing against that. I didn't say that (laughs) as to say that like my approach was better. I mostly said that to say like, that's the way I think about schools and about teaching. I I literally can't get through a dinner conversation without somehow redirecting the conversation onto teaching. (laughs) It's toxic. It's my toxic trait. No. Um, All right. So let's dive in. um, And, you know, considering this, these ideas of agency and justice and systems and personalized learning, um, describe for me right now conditions, practices, or resources that you currently believe to be unsustainable. Yeah, I can pick this one first. I think First, I'll say, you know, I told you in my intro that I'm coming from an administrator approach. And I think one of the things we can do when we're thinking about this idea of student and learner agency making teachers' lives more sustainable is we can also give teachers more agency to make their lives sustainable, too. That trickles down from the top when we set the tone that teachers and students both have agency in building a learning environment that works for the folks that are in it. And... A lot of times when I'll give you some kind of specific examples, a lot of times we say, you know, teachers, we're going to give you lots of frameworks and and lots of checklist items that you need to do in order to, in theory, make our learning environments better and everyone's lives better in them. What often it ends up being is just like additional demand on additional demand where teachers are seeing opportunities to make changes and often don't have the agency to do that. And then that trickles down to students, right, not having to be able to co-create the learning environments that they want to be in. Uh, and so I think first, the practice of administrator top-down led approaches to innovation in schools are not sustainable because they miss the most critical data collection and response for continuous improvement that's happening every day between teachers and students in the learning environments that most matter. So we need to figure out a way to shift more of that responsibility um, to students. And then I also think there's this idea of like, how do we help educators think about differentiation and reaching all students, that is a big factor of burnout for teachers. Teachers want to make an impact. That's why they get into this profession. And when they feel like they can't make the impact they want to make, that eats at people. And it, it causes them to seek another profession 
or potentially not be as invested in their work even if they stay in it. And so, you know, the idea of changing top topics like differentiation and personalization and interventions from just like all of these demands toward strategic problems that teachers can take the lead in solving in their classrooms is something that I'm really interested in. How do we do that? Uh, Emily, what thoughts do you have about that? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, not surprisingly, my first answer would be time. <laughs> I think that uh, the way that we think about time in a classroom and a school and a larger system of education really makes things unsustainable. And part of that has to do, honestly, with how many how many roles teachers play now in the lives of their students. So it's not just to deliver of content. It's also uh, doing a bit of counseling, a little bit of um, social emotional learning teaching every day. I mean, there's so many different roles that teachers have to play. Even when I started teaching 20 years ago, um, it just feels really different. And so I think, how do you have enough time to nurture all of those roles and feel good about the work that you're doing? And then also, how do you uh, think about how can we, as the, the capital we, think about reimagining time so that teachers actually have the capacity and autonomy to, to use the time on the things that matter most to drive student um, successes and, and engagement and, and wellness, to be frank, um, and their own wellness as well. Yeah, I mean, this idea of agency sort of trickles into that as well, right? That, totally. Like, we want to give teachers agency, or again, I'm going to keep reframing the way I'm saying that. We want to create the conditions where teachers can witness their own agency and actually harness it, right? Mm -hmm. um, so that they can make decisions about how to use their time more efficiently. I mean, one thing for me that was so big when I was teaching was, I mean, one was how I was grading, right? So using my time more strategically for grading or assessing you know, and only assessing the things that I felt like were giving me meaningful data on and actually making me a more informed teacher, right? But then also being able to make decisions with regard to curriculum development and how you how you actually implement that in the classroom, because that can actually save you time. You know, like I I would find these workflows that I would get into and I I learned how to really simplify the what I was preparing so that it was one universally designed, right? So that I wasn't creating as many activities as there were kids in the classroom or even making small group activities every day, right? But creating something that everybody could glom onto in some way. But that required my administrators and coaches, you know, having that trust in me and encouraging me to try these things and encouraging me to find sustainability, which doesn't happen everywhere for everyone. Um, so I guess in that vein, you know, we 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 talked a little bit about um, this idea of time. Um, Matt, you were talking about, you know, when teachers feel like they can't make an impact, that sort of chips away at sustainability, which, you know, we can draw upon Daniel Pink's work in intrinsic motivation, right? That like, when we feel like we're unsuccessful at something, um, or we feel like we can't do something well, and we can't connect our efforts to the progress we're trying to make, we disengage. And that's no, that's no fault of the teachers, right? Like that is just something natural that humans do. And it takes kind of a Herculean effort to overcome that. Um, so I guess, and you've sort of already addressed some of this a little bit, but taking all those things into account, you know, what do you think the conditions, practices, or resources are that are sustainable that might solve or address some of these problems that you've discussed thus far? Yeah, I'll add one more thing first that's unsustainable, and then I'll get more positive. Uh, what is unsustainable is not trusting teachers. I think we just talked around it a lot, and I wanted to just say it directly, like, what's unsustainable is not trusting teachers. That happens 
at the student and parent level, that happens at the administrator level, it happens at the policy level. I think we should be thinking about ways we can provide more trust to teachers because they are seeing the learning environments that they're creating firsthand and they have the best and closest to the, the locus of the problem approach to being able to fix it. Um, so I think what is sustainable is first trusting educators and providing them the resources to think about the problems of practice they face collaboratively. That includes time, which Emily, I think so correctly mentioned is one of the biggest barriers. Uh, I think it's also sustainable to start thinking more about integration and less about continuous improvement or, or data response as like, we see a challenge in the data and we fix it by just adding an extra initiative, which is often what we do, right? We go through this additive cycle of, we look at a problem, we say, yes, we wanna all solve this problem, right? Everyone here wants to make learning better for students. And so we add something that we're doing to approach it without stepping back and saying, how might this problem actually stem from some of the things we've already done and added? Uh, not just from some of the things we haven't yet added. So I always wanna think about how can we integrate more and add less? Uh, integrate our systems, bring them together, find opportunities for making time where we, we didn't think it existed. They're there if we look for those opportunities uh, instead of just looking for what's missing or what needs to be added. So I would say, you know, trust, time, and integration. Yeah, and I would just jump in to think, uh, I think more on the idea of like, imagining your own agency, Paul, or embracing what we already have. Somewhere along the way, like we learned as teachers, like you're awesome if you work on the nights and the weekends, like you are a superstar teacher <laughs> and you get all the gold stars <laughs> if you do these things. And I think that it's just such a lie, you know, and I'm not sure why I bought it for so many years, but if we can even just think about how we harness our own agency and the way that we're using our classroom time, like giving, like you said, giving feedback in class or like imagining the way that we're grading, and understanding that like, gosh, I can actually use the time there with me to give real-time feedback to move them, which we know the research says is going to move them on the needle of progression to mastery faster. Um, I don't know why we feel so scared about that. I don't know where in the system they, 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 uh, what am I trying to say? Like, like where they, <laughs> uh, fooled us, but I'm just, I just want to really invite folks to think through that a little bit and, and really critically. And it feels, I think, uncomfortable because there does seem to be a lack of control. But when you open it up, you're really creating environments that are more student directed, which leads to higher cognitive engagement for them and for us, which leads to like happier people and humans, which leads to like higher levels of engagement. So all these things are connected. Um, oh, yeah, that's where I'd start. No, it, yeah. What came up for me just now, was this idea because what you're talking about is like the teacher savior teacher martyr complex right mm -hmm. where we you know we we at least in our generation right have sort of soaked up all of these narratives around what a teacher is and it's funny it, well, it's not funny it's kind of alarming actually but it's it's interesting maybe to yes. look at the different narratives and there's in movies and tv from our generation it's either like teacher martyr teacher savior Mr. Holland's opus, like his wife's pissed at him for like, not for, for not being home. But he's like, but I gotta, I gotta teach the kids, you know, like, or there's like the loser teacher, like that 
that they don't have anything else good to do in their life. And so they go and work at a school and then they find themselves. And it's this weird, I mean, now I think the most accurate portrayal of teaching in television is Abbott Elementary. I love that. I love that show so much because it's funny and it's like, it's, there's an element of realness to it. Sometimes I watch them teaching. I'm like, what are you doing? But like the, the kind of culture dynamics and just like actual realistic views on teachers. It's, I think it's the most authentic thing I've ever seen at least. Um, I would also I would also love to see the narrative of a teacher that's like professional with a degree that's an expert in their yes field, right totally <laughs> wouldn't it be wouldn't nice be awesome yeah um yeah so Emily you were you were talking about how how did we come to this this place where we we came to believe these these kind of false narratives about teaching and that's why in these conversations about sustainability right change is so hard and people people mm-hmm. have to find the incentive to change which is why I think partially in these conversations about sustainability, we have to um, be critical of our own preconceptions about what we believe to be true about teaching, right? Like teaching doesn't necessarily have to just be, or teaching shouldn't just be kind of this, like we're all coming to this building to just churn out work that's that's serving some sort of external system, which this feeds into the justice idea as well, right? But that schooling shouldn't be this this building we come to where we just churn out work and then leave and serving someone else um and so i'm curious i mean this this feels like it might be kind of a nice tie into modern classrooms project and what you all are trying to do with your model because that is not what you're trying to do you're not trying to create these spaces where kids are just you know going through work you're trying to create these spaces where kids have a lot of agency and they're learning the things that we want them to learn, but also helping them learn the things they want to learn. So tell us a little bit more about that and how you feel like that provides a path to sustainability. Yeah, so this is this is such an interesting and big question. I'll start by saying, I think, I'll start with one of the biggest challenges that we have as an organization. It's getting teachers to think about their role differently, because often we, we think of teachers as like, you have to do all the work, present the content in the perfect way. You know, it's oh, we hear the phrases like edutainment and other things. And I think our organization and our model believe strongly that teachers are experts in their field and their, their job is to create a learning environment that can help students become experts in that field as well. So they're not only experts in thinking about the content, we're more importantly experts in thinking about creating healthy learning environments that are sustainable. And so our model actually does that in a, a few different ways. First, it gives learners agency by creating a self-paced learning environment where students can master topics at different paces. Uh, And they do that by passing mastery checks and we have a mastery-based learning approach. That's the second part. So students can master content at different paces uh, and that's done through a self-paced and mastery-based learning approach. And then we leverage some of the great technologies that have come out in recent years to think about how teachers can also leverage a blended learning environment to make that happen so that they don't have to be the stage sage on the stage only person that's providing all of the wisdom, but that learners actually can leverage their skills and create new skills using technology to access wisdom that's already out there, uh, sometimes even better than we can provide, right, as one individual in the classroom. So mastery-based learning, self-paced learning, blended learning are the approaches that we use. And there's really concrete and specific things in there. And we, as I talked about earlier, think about integrating all of those approaches. How do we bring together really great research-based practices that we already probably use in piecemeal in each of those, mastery-based, self-paced, and blended learning, 
areas into a model that can help students take control of the classroom, promote stronger inquiry and collaboration, and shift the teacher role to being one of creating a healthy learning environment, providing feedback and supporting learners uh, as they go. So just to give folks kind of a sense of what that looks like in a typical classroom, you might walk in and see a teacher give a quick opening where they say, hey, let's reflect on our goals for learning today. Let's look at a big topic that we're all thinking about together. Then they might show students a pathway, a learning pathway that includes differentiated activities, a must do, a should do, and aspire to do, we sometimes call it. And then they let students go to work, collaborating with folks that are on the same part in that learning pathway as they are, thinking about a lab that might be present at one table. And then the teacher shifts their time toward pulling small groups, working with students one-on-one, -on -one, conferencing, all while students are working toward mastering the concept that they're currently on in their current part of the pathway. So that's how we think about shifting the environment creating a more sustainable and learner-centered environment. Yeah, and I would also just add like what our model allows, probably like as one of the richest things it allows is time for relationship building and connection. Mm -hmm. So we have time to be with our students, to ask them about their evening, to ask them what they're watching. We have time because we don't have to rush into this stand and deliver model um, of, of disseminating information right away. Um, and, and that can be super transformative. And from a sustainability standpoint, when you feel connected, you feel like, oh, I've got some fuel to, to keep moving forward oh, for us that. and the kids, right? I love that you said the C word, connection. Ugh. Mm -hmm. Right, right? Like when we feel like we're connected to something, and this is actually one of the themes in the book is this idea of regeneration, that you can sort of step back if you need to and like let other people carry the load for you. And I'm not talking just teachers. I'm talking kids too, right? Kids come in some days and they're like, hey, I'm, you know, you can, they either tell you through their behaviors or they just tell you, right? That like, hey, I'm low today. I'm tired today. I'm, you know, this happened last night and I don't have any energy. And, and you know, there's still a way for meaningful learning to happen in an environment, a learning environment where connection is front and center. Um, I have a follow-up question for both of you. And I'm so curious because I know there's going to be people that are thinking this. So, you know, you're offering this awesome model for personalized learning for, you know, you said mastery, self-paced, blended learning, right? And it's allowing for more time for connection, for relationships, et cetera. But this requires like letting some things go. Change is hard. And I'm sure that you've heard from teachers like, well, what do I, I can't let anything go. What do I, what do I stop doing? So how do you handle those conversations with teachers and how do you make this so that, or in what, what, what methods do you use to give different levels of teachers entry points into this work? Um, yeah. What, how do you, how do you handle that? Yeah. I mean, I can share where I started and that will have a different perspective, but I, I just share my story. I, I found out about our model through our free course in a podcast I listened to back in 2020 and I was so burnt out. I was about to quit. It was after my 18th year of teaching. And I was like, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. Every year I just work harder. I think I'm getting better, but I just work more and more. Um, and I just started like tinkering with one part of the model. So Matt said, ideally it does work in a system. And when I did fully implement it, it worked beautifully. But at the time I was like, I have capacity to play around with some instructional videos for one unit. I'm going to try that and see how it goes. And then I asked my students, how did that go? How did that feel? This is how it felt for me. What do you think? And then I looked at the data that was generated from that experience. And I was like, oh, this is working, you know? And so I think that most educators 
feel this like very all or like we're all in, you know, we learn about something new and we're all in. And it's really hard to think about strategically how to approach shifting. I think if we don't bring that level of care to how we're going to reimagine, it's not going to go well long-term. So we have to think about like a scaffolded um, sometimes way. We always talk about implementation of the model as a journey um, and journeys take a while sometimes, you know, uh, and we're always refining and reflecting as we go. And we're also asking our, our learners for their input along the way. Um, Matt, what would you add? Yeah, well, first I'll say the average teacher that implements our model has something like 14 years of teaching experience. The people that find our model are people who are exactly where Emily was. There are people who are like, I know something needs to change. And I think a lot of educators feel this, right? They're, they're like, I think I'm getting better. Like Emily said, I think I'm working more every year and I know something needs to change for me to more effectively reach students while not burning myself out. And so, you know, they go find our training either through our free course, which you can access all of our training and materials for free always because we're a nonprofit or through a partnership that we do with one of their districts or something like that. You know, any way you would traditionally get to PD as a teacher and they start thinking about the approaches and, and students give great feedback on them often. I think what keeps people hooked into these approaches is Paul, the kind of the, the example you were giving, like when folks know that they can have the ability to shift their classroom around and, and have some flexibility to do what they know meets the needs of their students best, they love a model like that, right? You hear teachers so often complain about, I've got to cover so much curriculum. I never have enough time. I want to be able to do all these things because my students need it right now, but I just cannot figure out how to do it. One of the biggest draws, I think, for teachers, once they really get into it, is recognizing that they create time for themselves in this model in the classroom with students when the learning is happening, not at home on the couch trying to figure things out and racking your brain late into the evening. Um, we really have new time that gets created in the classroom environment when we strategically think about instruction in the way that, that our model provides teachers the tools to do. It makes life easier over the long run. That's just so powerful, right? Finding ways to create time in the classroom and realizing that moment you realize, oh, sitting on the couch and grading is actually not good for me. And it's actually not good for my kids either. Like, and that I think is that that is Bingo. such a big idea at the heart of sustainability for me is that it's not about teachers just doing less because they feel like doing less, right? It's about, hey, I matter in this equation because if I'm not showing up every day, with, you know, at least a three quarter tank, <laughs> maybe some days it's a half tank, right? But like, if I'm not showing up with my tank full enough to to serve my kids, and it's actually hurting them. And so that's at the heart of sustainability. It's like, it's got to be good for kids and good for teachers. It's better for kids to get feedback in the classroom for it to be integrated, to use your word, Matt, um, and Emily, both your words, sorry. Um, to use that word, though, like, it's if it's integrated, it's good for them, and it's good for us. Um, yeah. And can, can I just say too, like, Shifting that workload is not just about the teacher showing up with a full tank every day. It's also about the teacher not actually robbing students of the ability to have that inquiry, to actually mm -hmm. approach the learning themselves and to solve some of the problems that teachers will solve for them. Like we'll sit up late at night and I did this as a teacher. I know we've all done it. Like retooling PowerPoint presentations to figure out the best way to visually represent something when you could ask students how they would visually represent it, mm -hmm. give them a problem, give them resources, let them visually represent it and show it to each other. What a more rich learning experience than me sitting around, like tooling with the way that I'm presenting things on slides. Very silly. Uh, so I, I was actually robbing my students of the ability to have that more deep creative learning experience. 
Yeah. And there's, there's varied, I, I find there's varied entry points for that idea of agency here too, right? That like, mm-hmm. you don't, you don't have to go right into a self-paced model, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're nervous about it, if you know, like, if you know that one of your core values as an educator is I want my kids to have agency, I know it'll be better for them, I know it'll be better for me, but I'm afraid to get started. There's other places you can start, like like what you just said, Matt, with inquiry. Allow your kids to ask more questions or give a little bit more wait time. Like those are good places to start. And then you start to see, oh, they asked this really interesting question I didn't anticipate, and it actually created a lesson for me tomorrow that I want to do. And it's it's it it's it's energizing. It was it was always energizing for me as a teacher to be able to capitalize on student questions and their ideas. Cause I was like, I'm learning stuff here too. This is so cool. And it's very energizing. Emily, I feel like you were going to say something too. No, I was just saying like, also the idea of sharing the cognitive load is kind of like wrapped into there, right? Like, like you as the teacher are not the, the one person in charge of holding all the knowledge. <laughs> like it is, it needs to be a collaborative learning environment to be sustainable because it does feel good to our brains as it should feel to their brains as they're like running the learning too and directing it. Um, so yeah, I was just excited when you said that. That's all. Yeah. It's, I know this is like super old and outdated, but I, I read, I read something by John Dewey, like, Oh God, it's like six or seven years ago. And it's, 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 it's one of his shortest books. It's called experience and education. And it completely shifted the way that I thought about teaching. And um, his, his stance was that like teachers aren't in the classroom because we necessarily know more than kids. Um, I mean, we know some things, right? Obviously, because we've been around longer. But the 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 more <clears throat> um, significant role a teacher plays is the life experience they've had, right? And being able to have the knowledge to like shape experiences, but not necessarily be the disseminator or the giver of all knowledge, but instead know how to shape things so that it's a productive and educative environment. Such a big shift for me. Also, a scary shift, right? Because you're like, oh wow. I, I, it's great. On one hand, it's great. I don't have to know everything, but also now I have to acknowledge that I don't know everything. And that's like a little scary, right? Um, Thank you guys so much for, for chatting today. I feel like we have so much more we could talk about that. We could do a whole nother episode um, on this. Um, I really appreciate you guys so much for coming and joining. Um, Please let everyone know where they can, where can they go to learn more about modern classrooms project and if you are on social media, where can they go to learn more about you? Yeah, so you can go to modernclassrooms.org, just as you'd think it's spelled. You can also find our free course there. So if you want to go to the learn section of our website, again, that's modernclassrooms.org. Go there, click learn, peek in, see what you like, see what you don't like, uh, whatever works for you. Uh, I am at Mr. Hickson 120 on Twitter. You can feel free to follow me. Uh, Emily, I believe, might have some other information as well. Well, I'm at Emily Dia at Twitter, but I hardly ever check it. So if you want to reach out to me, just send me an email. I'm like an older lady. Um, social media is still a skill in developing. Um, so yeah, emily.dia at modernclassrooms.org. Send me a note. Let's connect. Luckily, you can develop that skill at your own pace. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much again for joining me today and for joining all of us. Um, Yeah. Thanks so much, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, Paul. And that's a wrap on this week's episode of the Make Teaching Sustainable podcast. A really special thank you to Emily and Matt from the Modern Classrooms Project, not only for 
the new friendships we are cultivating, but also for taking the time to come on and chat with us today. As a reminder, um, you can follow me, Paul, um, at Sustain Teaching. Um, you can also check out my website at maketeachingsustainable.org and grab a copy of my book, Make Teaching Sustainable Through ASCD. If you'd like to be a guest on this podcast, I'd love to talk to you about sustainable teaching. You can shoot me an email at paul at maketeachingsustainable.org. Hope you have a great week, y'all. Thank you. Thank you.